I'm Harriet Riddick, an associate at CM Murray, and today I'm at the International Conference on Risk, Reward and Reputation Management Issues for Senior Executives and Founders in London. I'm joined here now by our expert speakers on the panel session that has just taken place on the topic of restrictive covenant and confidential information issues for international senior executives and founders. The panel was chaired by David Fisher, who is a partner at CM Murray, and he is joined by Kathleen Scott, managing partner of Scott Wagner Law Firm, based in Florida, Doug Mandel, managing partner of the Mandel Law Group, based in San Francisco, Mathilde Houet-Weil, who heads the Labour and Employment Law Department of Weil & Associates Law Firm in Paris, and Maria Jose Sanchez, a partner at Spanish law firm Augusta Abogadas. And right now they're going to discuss some of the key themes and highlights of the panel session today. So over to you, David. Thank you, Harriet. Mathilde, can you just tell us a little bit about the conditions of validity for restrictive covenants in France? Generally speaking, the criteria which will be applied is the business interest. So the restrictions will have to be specifically limited to the business interest. They will have to be limited in space, limited in time. It's usually one or two years and limited in scope. And the last criteria is that there needs to be a financial compensation for the non-compete. Otherwise, the non-compete is going to be void, or best case, its scope is going to be reduced by the Labour Court. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the financial compensation and what that basically looks like? The financial compensation will be provided for in the collective bargaining agreement. Just to give a typical example, it will be about one-third of the previous monthly compensation per month of prohibition. So if the employee has a new job that does not compete with uh, his previous employment, then he will receive the non-compete consideration in addition to his new salary. Mary Jose, can you tell us about the remedies that are available in Spain if a senior executive is in breach of any post-termination restrictions? In Spain, within the framework of employment law, a company may not prevent a senior executive or an ordinary employee from joining a competitor company. What a company can do through the post-termination and competition agreement is to make it more onerous for the employee. Consequently, in Spain, in the employment law perspective, the legal consequence for the senior executive in the event that the company can prove the non-compliance of the post-termination non-competition agreements are limited to monetary penalties as follows. The obligation to pay back the financial compensation contractually agreed plus possible compensation for damages. Regarding the compensation for damages, there are two possibilities. The first one is that the amount of damages is quantified by the actual damages that the company can prove, plus uh, legal interest. To this extent, the company may use an expert report to prove the damages uh, to the court. And uh, the senior executive may use a counterpart expert report to prove the non-damages to the court. Another possibility is that in the non-competition agreement, the parties establish a lump sum in advance as a penalty clause. That kind of agreement exempts the company from the obligation to prove quantification of the damage. So it's more easy 
to claims uh, before a court at amount that has already agreed between the parties in the contract. Nevertheless, it should be taken into account that the employment tribunal will balance the rights and obligation of both parties. And even though the parties has agreed a certain amount of a penalty clause, if such amount is appears to be not proportional with the default of the senior executive with the non-compliance of the senior executive with the actual damages caused to the company, the employment tribunal would not consider that penalty clause valid. And in the best case, what the employment tribunal will do is to reduce the penalty to the executive uh, in favour of the company. And what about uh, injunctions? Are they ever available? In employment perspective, although there is a general regulation on injunction in Spain, if the litigation is between the company and the senior executive, what the breaching party can get from the other party is monetary compensation. Another thing is that when there is a court case between companies regarding unfair competition, in that case, civil court or in a commercial court, a company can get an injunction against the competitor companies to cease the competitive activities. Kathleen, could you give us an overview of the position in the US, please? One of the things we hear quite a lot is about the, the validity or otherwise of, of non-competes in California. Is, is that something that's common throughout the US? I'll speak primarily to restrictive covenants and leave that to Doug to talk about California. But it is very different. That's why California is a very unique animal. But throughout the United States, primarily non-competes and restrictive covenants are enforceable. It's very different from what I'm hearing from my European colleagues. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can be enforced even without the payment of compensation. And continued employment is sufficient consideration. So it's actually quite unique and quite different. Um, A similarity is the company does have the burden to show what's called a legitimate business interest. So they have to demonstrate there is a competitive need for the type of relief that they're seeking to uh, prohibit the employee from competing, and it has to be apples to apples. So one of the common defenses would be that the company is slightly different in the marketplace or slightly different in application to what the actual employee is seeking to go do competitively. Companies that go bankrupt, by example, um, would not have a market share, wouldn't have an ability to argue that they're truly competitive. The restrictions for enforcement are also somewhat similar, but also different. <laughs> the employee be terminated for any reason in an at-will state so they can find themselves having a restrictive covenant enforced against them with no job, which they may have lost through no fault of their own, and now they find themselves having to retain an attorney to defend themselves in this restrictive covenant case. And if they're not successful or if they can't afford a defense, they could be financially responsible for the employer's attorney's fees and costs as well as damages. So it, it can be onerous. It can be difficult. But we are working hard to try to come up with the best possible defenses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are defenses to enforcement. Um, one of the more common ones is if the employee is not paid, uh, say, their full commission, or they've been mistreated in some way, discriminated, or any type of sexual harassment claim would support a prior breach defense. But another defense that's common is something called waiver. So if the company doesn't regularly enforce its restrictive covenants and only tries to enforce it as it relates to this one departing employee, that could be an equitable waiver, and it could be a, a very strong defense against the enforcement. So it's serious business throughout the United States, so I'll let my colleague talk about how it goes in, in California. I think this concept of waivers is all the more important to make sure you have good counsel if you're a company, otherwise you can really be in trouble. In California, uh, you know, our law here is very, very different. There are some other states that are kind of like California, but nothing is unique. We have a public policy in California that's been codified in statute 
to basically not permit non-competes except in some narrow circumstances. The two circumstances are partners in a partnership can have them. And what I spoke about today just on our panel was in M&A deals. Mm -hmm. So if your company is bought or you're an executive at a company that is bought and you receive compensation for the goodwill in the business, in other words, they bought your stock as opposed to just an asset deal, then a non-compete is enforceable. And I see them in almost all deals that I'm dealing with. In the morning, another one of our colleagues talked about a relatively new labor code in California that allows for clients represented by counsel to have the law of other states apply in an employment agreement or a non-compete agreement. I still think it'll be very interesting to see how California courts interpret that. Recently, a Delaware court upheld that and said that California's public policy is trumped by the other state law that was chosen. But that's going to be a very interesting open issue. But in my practice, again, getting back to M&A deals, where, again, we're always assuming they're enforceable, what I'm really focused on is how I can best protect my client in that case. And the best way to do it is really narrow the non-compete. And you can do that in two different ways. One is narrow the definition of the business of the company. And then the other way is to try to negotiate carve-outs from the general principle that the non-compete will apply, except in certain situations, such as going to work for a competitive company, but as long as you're not at a division that is competitive, like going to work for Google or Facebook, for example, if you're not involved in the business that your company did, or being able to invest in companies or being able to serve as a VC, which a lot of my clients who are founders uh, after their company's been bought, oftentimes they become professional investors. So I want to protect them. Usually the carve out there is they can be a VC as long as they're not investing in or dealing with a competitive portfolio company of the fund. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your contributions. That was a really interesting discussion. If you want to join our international forum of senior executive advisors or to listen to more podcast recordings, please visit our website at www.cmari.com forward slash IFSEA.